Welcome back to the Willpower Podcast. My name is William Gomez, and today we have the first uh, William, other than me, on the podcast, Will Karstutter. Um, man, I can't wait for you to hear this conversation. Um, he, in the last five years, uh, after he graduated college, um, he started, um, you know, his entrepreneur journey, and to for you to hear where he started his first year to where he's at now, um, it's incredible. Um, so I can't wait for you to hear this conversation and make sure to stick around to the end. Make sure you like the podcast and share it with others if you enjoy it. Will Carsetter, how you doing, man? Doing well. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I, I have a I have a question. Do you like the name of the podcast, Willpower? <laughs> I, I love it. There you I go, man. It. I think this is my first uh, Will to Will uh, interview. Yeah, that's got to mean something, right? Yeah, this yeah. Be a little more special. There, there you go, man. <laughs> we finally made it happen. The first time that we um, try to schedule it, uh, it looks like the calendar wasn't linking up. And then the second time, uh, Easter was kind of around the corner. So third yeah. time's a charm, there, man. Yeah, I appreciate you saying and not linking up because what it really happened <laughs> is I just showed up and thought I booked it when I really didn't. Man, and uh, and that surprised me. I, I was actually talking to Kevin uh, King, and I said, I said, I thought Will was like super like crazy about his calendar, yeah. and he was like, he is. He's like, that surprises me. But anyways, man, thank you so much for coming. Will Carsetter, for somebody that hasn't heard your name before, give me a one-minute introduction. Yeah, um, I am someone who goes all or nothing in, in everything I do, um, almost to a fault sometimes. Um, people think that it's just in, in real estate, but really kind of every area of my life, which, which means that, you know, in this current season or in this last few months, there's been... You know, like I'm holding some balls up really, really high yeah. and some just down low. And I've kind of decided that's okay for the time being because our company is growing at such a rapid pace that I'm okay with that, that season of life. So tell me a little bit about your company and what you do right now as well. Sure. Um, we start out with the mobile home park space. Um, so I actually graduated college in 2017 and I, you know, I'm sit, I, I've always been entrepreneurial. So I'm, I'm sitting in this this cubicle and thinking like, God, is this like, is this really my life? Is this yeah. really going to be what my life is? And I, I wasn't really interested in, in real estate at all. And I, uh, but I, I've always tried like some ventures in high school and in college. And I actually, my first ever venture was a penny auction in high school and it blew up. It got like 3000 members on it overnight. And I remember, you know, I'm sitting around like making more money than my parents are. And thinking, this is like, why would I ever go work for anybody else ever again? Like old penny coins? Is that, or what was it? It's like a, the penny auction. They, they they really blew up like back in like 2013, 2014. And it's where like you bid and your bid like increases the price by a cent, but your bid actually cost you a dollar. And this is on whatever uh, products? Yeah, it, right. everything. TVs, oh, like, gotcha, so gotcha. it's like an, an auction, an auction website. Gotcha, gotcha. But so that got me. I'm so glad hooked. I asked. I thought I thought you were like trading like coins. Like, oh no, no. I'm glad I asked. No, it's like a Quibids is like one of the big ones. Gotcha, and it's like, gotcha. You know those those commercials that come on there, like you know, buy a TV for sixty cents. And yeah, you're like, that's a scam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're really not a scam. You just have to know how to use them. Yeah. And so me and my cousin like pieced together some scripts, built this site, and it blew up, and it went really really well for like three months, and then crashed for three months. But you know, I bought my first car from that, from the money we made from it, and it was just a life-changing experience. Like, you know, I, I think everyone has like a few life-defining moments where yeah. they ch you change your trajectory and you have to take advantage of those. Like they're, you don't know until you pass them, but that was certainly one for me where I just got this itch that maybe I've always had, you know, like 
I've got a younger brother and he doesn't have the entrepreneurial itch. And I keep, you know, talking to him about the real estate that we're doing. He thinks I'm absolutely crazy. Um, so I'm not sure if it's like, you know, nature or nurture, but I can say that I've always had something like that. When I felt that adrenaline rush of that success, I'm like, you know, I'm, I love this. Like, I don't want to work for anybody else. So that, that led me from the penny auction and I've done everything from track artists across the country for six months, like trying to identify like what builds a brand to wholesaling shredders out of my parents' garage in high school, flipping couches in college, like doing like drop shipping, bodybuilding products to bodybuilders. Uh Like people think that spark equity group was my first venture. Yeah. It's like, it's number nine. It was, and it was a success overnight, right? Spark. Um, well, like compared to the other stuff it was, well, but I'm saying like that, that's what people think that as far as for every successful person that they see out there, they don't see like, I mean, it all kind of started back whenever you were doing all those side businesses, you know, and, uh, that led you to that. So how old were you whenever you, you were doing the penny stuff? I was 15, 15. So let me, I'm curious about what took you to even go to college and, uh, and then, led you into that cubicle if you if you had already experienced that like at 15 years old what what do you think took you there i I ended up going to ou and they had one of the best entrepreneurship programs in the nation at the time so my dad likes to joke you know i went and got a major for people who don't want to be there yeah uh, or don't want a job so the complete opposite of of that um or i guess what the main reason that people go to college but ou was the reason i went there i was between there and the colorado school of mines and I thankfully went to concurrent enrollment in high school and realized that, hey, I do not want to be an engineer. Mm-hmm. So I ended up going to OU, doing their entrepreneurship program. And what's really great about OU is you end up actually like testing ideas and trying to bring them to market. And then at the end, you actually present to a group of investors in your capstone class and try to raise funding for your idea. Unfortunately, mine wasn't good enough to go. Like they take the top three ideas. Um, but it really kind of helped me develop. Like I learned a ton about public speaking, like you're presenting every single week in that class, which is really important. Um, and I, you know, there was a lot of books we read that I'd already read in high school. So that was made the course a little bit easier too. But so I had a, a car video and company, like I love fast cars. I've, you know, everyone has the one thing they're probably gonna spend too much money on, but just really fills them up. Cars are mine. And I was filming for the Tulsa Exotic Supercar Club and I'm, I'm trying to like build this channel and cause uh, I guess funny side story here. I want, I thought I wanted to go like review cars at for auto trader out in LA and after college. Yeah. After college. And so I called them up. I'm like, Hey, you know, I want to apply for this journalism job. And I'm talking to the person like, well, are you a journalism major? No. Do you have any experience? No, yeah. <laughs> I don't have any, I don't have anything. And I'm like, well, you're not qualified for this. So like, you know, we're not going to interview for this position. I'm like, well, what if uh, I hang up? I end up calling the lady, you know, a week later. I'm like, what if I build a YouTube channel and get like 10,000 subscribers on it in six months? Would you hire me then? Or would you at least give me an interview then? So there's no like guarantee, but that like she gave me just enough to be like, okay, you know, I would have a chance at this position if I could show some real world experience that I can do this. So that led me to filming for the Tulsa Exotic Supercar Club. I just started showing up to the meets filming all these exotic cars. And so we have, you know, doctors, attorneys, like people with a ton of money who are, you know, driving their Ferraris, Lamborghinis around. And I make a video for them and send it to one guy I knew and he's sending it out to all his buddies. And I just start getting invited again. And so all these cars, all these car shows, like, and they're just like, Hey, ride with him this time, ride with him this time. I'm just, you know, I'm a, you know, a senior in high or a senior in college and just filming for this group. 
and I get to the end of my senior year and I'm realizing this is, I'm not going to hit the 10,000 and all those videos are on private, by the way, now, like they're so bad. <laughs> like I'm, I'm doing the whole like vlog, vlog thing with the cars. Uh, but I realized it's not going to pay the bills. And, um, how many subscribers did you get? Just under 3000. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's not horrible. Yeah, no. And, and I, I didn't, didn't get give it the full six months. Like I realized like month four, I'm like, this isn't going to happen unless I fundamentally do something different. So then all my attention went to, okay, I'm about to graduate. I need to actually find something that's going to pay the bills. I had an offer from EY. Excuse me. I had an offer from EY in Dallas. I thought that sounds like torture, so I'm not going to do that. I, I was also an MIS major as well, so that's why I got that got that offer because no one wants to hire an entrepreneurship major. Yeah. Because they're, they're just, you're just going to leave, which is I didn't realize that at the time. Um, but, uh you know, I, I got an offer from an HVAC company here in town and as a salesman and, you know, I'm from Tulsa. My family's here. My girlfriend was here. I'm like, you know, this makes a, a lot of sense to come back. And yeah, like, um, four days in three days in, um, and I don't pick stuff up and just set it down. Like I'm pretty good about, Hey, if I say I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And I was like this, I feel like the next 15, 20 years of my life are about to just disappear. And I'm going to regret not doing something now. Like I've got to, I've got to fulfill this itch, this internal desire I have to go and like fulfill the calling that I believe has been placed on my life to build something big. Um, or I'm going to live a life of regret. And that, that led me to like a really, I would say dangerous place. Cause I ended up taking on way more risk than I would ever encourage anyone to do with a startup. Um, but it was also the fastest way to grow. And is that when you started your company yeah. that you have now? Yeah. So to, all the way back in 2017. 2000. Uh, our, we bought our first property in February 2018, but yeah, started in 17. Okay. So 17. you've been doing it for about five, a little yeah. bit over five years. Yeah. And and to prove that you you do like uh, your fast cars, when I met you, uh, what was it? Maybe a couple of years ago now, um, we were in that um, lunch, uh, that business lunch that we used yeah. to go to, uh, No Limits, I believe it was called. Yep. yep. And uh, you had what a Corvette. Yeah. Uh, and that's your daily driver, huh? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was not the the smartest daily driver, but you know, <laughs> C six. I'd done some stuff to it. It was, it was uh, a monster of a of a car, and yeah, yeah I just it. I tell you, like I, I you know I work every single weekend. Um, um, at the office at five thirty in the morning. Um, I'm like, I am incredibly just, I guess in what, again, I'm all in yeah. what, with spark equity. And so the car to me is like, kind of like the thing that's like, I don't have to plan to use it. Like I'm already going to drive somewhere so I can enjoy this toy. Cause that's what it is. It's a toy on the way there, on the way back, like a boat, you have to plan to use it. So people don't think about like, there's first order and second order consequences to every single decision and dollar we spend. First order being, okay, you went out and bought this boat and it costs a lot of money. And so now you have opportunity costs lost for things that you could have bought otherwise. And usually that's as much as people think about it. It's so like the initial dollar spent, but it goes way deeper than that. So what I think about like the second and third order consequences are actually way more important than the first order, unless you just go broke buying something. But assuming you can afford what you just bought, the second order consequence is now you have to spend time cleaning, preparing, maintenancing, and actually even using that boat. So time that you will otherwise would have spent possibly building your business. Again, everyone has to take time off. But let's say that you just worked, you know, 24-7. It's like everyone has to take time off, but now you're having to dedicate time to use this thing that you bought that costs money. And so you have additional opportunity costs that could prevent you 
from going to that networking event where you meet the person that changes your life. It's like, I think about that all the time with everything that I buy. And that's why I love cars so much. I don't have to plan for it at all. Like it is the thing and you're already, you're already doing it. Like if I was driving my car today, I would have driven it here, enjoyed it on the way here, and it wouldn't have taken away from anything else that I was doing today. Yeah, that's so good. And this is part of the reason why I wanted to have you on and why I like having people that just have a different mindset, right? Yeah. And then, I mean, we talk about uh, whether that was a year and a half or two years whenever you and I met. Now, uh, I mean, you just bought uh, a Lamborghini like three weeks ago or so, right? And then, so if that doesn't, you know, speak to how, uh, if the hard work that you're putting in behind the scenes is paying off. I mean, I I don't know what does, but, um, you were kind of talking to me a little bit about before the episode started that, um, that you went into it knowing that it was going to be like one of the biggest emotional decisions that you definitely purchases. But, um, that, that, that even to me speaks so loudly because so many people, don't think about it that way. Yeah. Um, they try to maybe like trick themselves and think like, no, like this is a need for me because I need to get from point A to point B. But it's like, well, you don't need to, you know, you, you don't need to, you know, buy luxury or like, so, you know, this is my passion. This is what I love. And so that, that one of the questions I like to ask people too is like, what is in the time that you do get off that that kind of releases that stress and kind of takes your mind a little bit yeah. if it ever goes off? And one of them is cars. Yeah. And then is what what else is? That's it. That's it. Yeah. That's it. I do enjoy uh, going to the gym, um, but work always has come before the, the gym. And I, I don't want that to be forever because you know, I yeah. do like feeling good about the way that I look like yeah. I think most people do. Uh, but in this season right now, cars is the only thing that I look at. I'm like, you know, there isn't really a second order consequence with that. Yeah. Even at the gym, you know, and again, I, there might be a lot of pushback with this, but we are growing at such a rapid pace that I find myself sometimes like, I just, I'm not going to make it today. Yeah. And I have to be, I've chosen to be okay with that decision in this, this time being. How many hours a week are you working right now? 70 to 80 probably. 70 to 80 hours. Yeah. It's crazy. It's, it's not, I'll be the first to tell you like, this is not sustainable for long term. Um, but it, people think I work a lot now and I, I think I do in terms of hours, but people who say that don't know what I went through back in 2018 to get started. Like in now the amount of not only hours, but stress, um, it's nothing now compared to 2018. So walk me through through your like like a day in your life right now. What does that look like? Like what time are you waking up? What time are you going to bed? And just kind of some some stuff sure. in between. Uh, wake up usually uh, 4.30 um, and I'm usually at the office by like 5.15, 5.20. Um, so you I, are going to an office. Yeah, which I, I have to get that, out of the house. I knew that, but I, I just wanted to point that out there uh, because I think you were actually even going in the office during COVID, right? Yeah. yeah, I remember yeah, watching I videos stop. and stuff. So, you know, here um, we have our studio at our, at, at my office, but um, me and another girl were the only ones coming here during COVID and she was only coming because she didn't have Wi-Fi at her house. Yeah. And because, yeah, like you're, whether you're working 40 or 80 hours a week, for me, it's like I have to be able to get home and then somewhat turn it off to be able to at least go to sleep, right? Yeah. So I just wanted people, I knew that, but I wanted people to hear that. So you're, you're getting up uh, 4.30, 45 minutes you're, from when you're up, you're, you're at the office. Yeah. Yeah. Full. And so 
people say it takes 21 days to form a habit and only like two days to destroy it. And I, I don't think even 21 days like firmly cements a habit. Like I think it actually takes years to develop that as who you are as a person. But and it's certainly true that two days off and it's, it's difficult to, to get back. So I've just kind of adopted this mindset of I'm going to do the thing every single day, Saturday, Sunday too. Um, and it makes it way easier to do on a daily basis to where that's just, that is just what I have become, like, I guess, as a person. It's not my identity, but it is, like, the actions that I'm choosing to do right now. Um, and, yeah, even, I, I think, like, the easiest way to, like, get in that rhythm is, like, there's four components to, like, doing something incredibly difficult like that on a daily basis. So you have to have a time you do it every single day. You have to have a place you do it at every single day. You have to have a reward system that is, could be a small break or just, like, a cup of coffee or something you look forward to. Um, and then if you need the fourth, it can be like an external accountability of, uh, I'm going to have a friend or something check in on me to make sure I'm doing this. But so for me, it was always, this is going to sound really, really stupid, <laughs> but it's like, okay, I, in order to get to the office that early in the morning, um, what I would start doing is, you know, I have my, uh, I have to be there at 520. I have to be sitting at my desk. So like time and place. And then after I get my like initial push on journaling done, like that's where I keep my morning meal, like my morning oatmeal that I have every single day. And it's like, I don't even have that at my house. So I have to go to the office to get that. And I really enjoy it. So that's like kind of my reward. And you know, the external accountability, um, I needed that back in like 2019 when I was coming off that kind of roller coaster of us. Oh my gosh, like 2018 means such a whirlwind. Um, I don't need it now because, you know, you build your self you build your self uh, confidence, and you build discipline by doing the things that you said you were going to do repeatedly that nobody else knows about. So it's like if you want to have a high self worth, it's like when you say you're going to do something, like you absolutely have to do it because eventually, if you just do that enough times, you don't. I don't need you to check in on me to see if I went to the gym because like if I said I was going to do it. In here, no one else even has to know. Like, I am 100% doing that. And you talk about if you can repeatedly do that, you talk about being confident in any situation and being, like, feeling like your self-worth is at an all-time high. Because let's think about the opposite. Like, if you don't do the things you say you're going to do, then when you tell yourself you're going to do something, you already know internally that your word doesn't matter. So, like, as much, so as, true, I, yeah. as, much as I want you to know that when I say I'm going to do something, that matters. If for some reason I, I break your, your trust and then you don't believe me anymore, that's, that's terrible. You don't want that to happen. But imagine when that happens internally. When you tell yourself you're going to do something and you already don't believe yourself. Yeah. That, it's, it's, a, it's a spiral. And I think, I think that continued over years is how people end up stuck in that cubicle, never do anything with their life. And it takes a traumatic event. I'm talking death, divorce, like bankruptcy, something huge than them actually get off their butt. It's like, don't wait for that. Like, just start doing the things you say you're going to do every single day. And if you, if it's difficult, it's going to be really difficult, but no one's going to do it for you. So start with those four measures and start with external accountability. That's so good, man. How many people do you think are living in, in that mindset? Would you say like 90 or like 99% of 99.999. I mean, almost everyone, Which whether is, they want to believe it or not. It's insane. So 
you talked about a little bit, you get to the office and then you journal at the office. Is that what you said? Yeah. Okay. So that's the kind of stuff that I'm interested in. Like, tell me a little bit of the little things that you're doing throughout your day. And then also what time you go to bed, you wake up at four 30. Um, so how long are you journaling, journaling for 15 minutes? Usually. And then you're journaling what about what happened the, the day before or kind of what you're, yeah, I've got, um, so Sam Evans with consulting.com. Um, I believe he actually sold it. Excuse me, but he's got this like power grid. Um, that's an incredible like daily life tracker and I've modified it to just fit myself. So it's not only goes into, all right, when did you go to sleep? when did you wake up? How do you feel? And you're rating yourself every single day. What'd you eat all day? Did you drink a gallon of water, you know, today? Uh, what is your one thing of today? Which is a customization that I made. Cause I try to live by, all right, if, if I can just push the business forward, like what is the most important thing that I can be doing that usually it's, um, non-urgent, but extremely important. Like it's almost never urgent, but this is actually going to push the business forward. Like what is that one thing I can do today? So I make sure I track that and have that planned out beforehand. Who am I going to impact today? Who am I going to reach out to? Who am I going to send a text to? Who am I going to call and make sure they're doing all right? Like I have like a daily check-in and a list of friends and all, all that stuff too. Um, did I work out today? Like how intense was my, my workout? Like, and then just general like notes. There's a few other categories I'm forgetting about, but I do that every single day. I fill out that spreadsheet. Um, and it makes it really easy to see, okay, I felt off yesterday. Why? You start looking at it. And when you track, when you wake up, when you go to sleep, what you eat every single meal, did you drink your gallon? Did you take your vitamins? Like when you're getting that, like that specific, it's like, oh, I, I felt bad because, you know, I, um, didn't exactly weigh out what I was going to eat the, the day before, or I, I missed, you know, I didn't get my gallon that, that day or something like that. Dude, I feel like I'm talking to Rob Deerdeck. Have you ever looked into what, like no. what the stuff he, he does? He is, you know, people think of Rob Deerdeck. You know who that is? Yeah. And people think of, uh, this like funny MTV guy that, you know, had a couple of shows. He's still, I think doing ridiculousness and stuff, but the amount, the way that he tracks his life to make sure that he is maximizing his time and, and being as efficient as possible is literally insane. I have to show, yeah. I have to send you a video after this, um, that I sent to a friend because what I come across is. I try to help uh, agents and other lenders um, try to even start by like tracking your leads. Yeah. And it, it blows my mind that people don't even do that. And that's like super like easy to be able to try to figure mm -hmm. out, hey, where's my business coming from? Is what I'm doing, the activities that I'm doing, it, are they even working? Like, yeah. is that where my business is coming from? You know, back in late 2020, I had met early uh, or late 2019, I had met a new agent uh, the start in the business. And then by like late 2020, it was like November. She, she was like, Hey, I think I'm, I'm going to get out of the business. And I said, you know, I thought you were doing so good. Like what's yeah. going, what's going on? And she's like, well, she's like, I've, I've done an open house just about every single weekend, but maybe like couple of them, you know, this is from January to November. She goes, and, and, and I'm just not getting any momentum. And I go, well, how many leads have you gotten from those open houses? She's like, I don't know. Not tracking at yeah. all? Yeah. And I go, okay, how many pre-approvals have you gotten from it? Yeah. And she's like, um, I, I don't know. And I go, how many closings have you gotten from it? And she knew that. It was zero. Yeah. And because she wasn't tracking it, she wasn't realizing, one, I either have to go to maybe get coaching or mentoring to somebody that, that, that it is working for, or I just have to 
get up and, and just quit doing it and go do something else. Right. And, uh, so for me, like people always think that I'm a little bit, um, let's just for lack of better words, crazy of how I track everything as far as like, um, like I wear whoop, it tracks literally my stress every day of, uh, how many hours I've spent, you know, Mm -hmm. um, in the stress zone, it tracks if I eat bad or if I, you know, drink, if I do anything that impacts like my recovery for the next day. And it lets me know how well I'm recovered for like my workout and how much I should be, how hard I should be pushing and all that stuff. And then on top of that, I mean, I won't even get to like the way that we track for our business, but then there's this app that you can actually add habits that you're wanting to do. Um, and, and you go in there and you have to, you, it's like a checklist pretty much that you have to go in there and you have to make sure that, that they're done. And if they're not done, it'll remind you. And at the very end of the night, it'll, it'll still have, you know how, whenever you have like five, one or five text messages, just it'll say a one or a five on mm-hmm. here. So it'll say, you know, you have three or five or seven. And then you have to go back in there and be like, what did I not do today? Or did I just forget to click it? So people literally look at me and they think I'm like, I'm crazy for that, but I'm glad that you're making me feel a little bit more normal, honestly. But uh, going back to the trust thing real quick. And I also want to go back to, to the car thing as well too, that we talked about, but you said, if, you know, if you tell people I'm going to do something and they don't, they don't, believe it. They don't trust you. And that's not good. And I think that that's a, that's a, that was a huge part of your business, right? Like as far as being able to like fundraise and fund money and all that stuff. So talk to me a little bit about that a little bit. Yeah. So on that, that first property, where I talk about like 2018 being a whirlwind. Um, so I've, you know, late 2017, I found myself in this place where again, I went and took on way more risk than I ever should. Like I realized if I don't make some huge traumatic push or dramatic push right now, like my life is going to pass me by. Um, what type of risk are we talking about? So my, my first ever purchase was a 48 lot mobile home park. Okay. Um, up in, up in Ponca city, which is about an hour and a half from, from Tulsa. And, you know, I contracted a house. It was taking a little bit longer. Like again, when I, when I say I'm going to do something, I go all in. Like I was getting, when I graduate, I'm you know, getting the office at five, even earlier at this point, reading about real estate until eight, working my full day job and after work, I'm going to all the meetups, reading about it. it. Like I'm full on study mode. And I did that until September 1st, 2017. That's when I started actually like marketing for my first property. actually got it under contract, single family flip, home run deal. Like we're talking $100,000 flip as my first one. Contracted at like 2 a.m. in the morning on my birthday. And I'm like, you know, this is a sign from God. It yeah. has to be that I am meant to do this. And, uh, so I'm, you know, I'm calling people and saying, Hey, you know, whenever I find another house, would you like to partner with me? And so I'm setting the stage for, Hey, I'm in real estate and I need a money partner for my next flip. I don't need it for this one, but I might need it for the next one. And I always knew that I'm going to take an apartment deal or a mobile home park deal to these guys that I'm, I'm, uh, like kind of setting my frame for. And I end up meeting Ryan Mars, who is a CIO of Expo Square in November he had contracted this mobile home park and it was almost to the end of his contract period. His $10,000 earnest money was already hard, like already non-refundable. And he was starting to give up on it, but he was looking for a money partner. And I remember going to him saying, and you know, I confessed this lie because it was a lie. I'm like, dude, I can do this. I can raise the money for us. And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm you know, kind of giving up. I'm looking for someone who's done it before. But, and again, like th- this is part of who I am. So I think it's important to mention when I, when I follow up with somebody, it's like, I think I called Ryan every single day. Whenever we mail 
like when we mail single family houses that we're going to buy, we mail them until somebody dies or name on ownership changes. Like you, you, you have to be so good about your fault because that's how the majority of your deals will come from. And so I do that with, uh, like just deals like I was trying to, trying to get and do still try to get. But with Ryan, it was like, I just kept like, Hey, like I can do this. And it got to a point where he finally, you know, shared the numbers. I'm looking at it, you know, from what I've read and researched about real estate and my entrepreneurship courses, I'm like, you know, I, I think this makes sense. And he finally agreed. He's like, you know, okay, if you put up the additional earnest money to extend the contract, we can partner together and, you know, you raise the money, we'll go 50, 50 on it. So he didn't know this at the time, but it, it took another 10,000 to extend it 45 days. Non-refundable. 10,000 non-refundable from day one. I sold my car to get it. I just graduated college. I didn't have any money. So I actually sold the car, put up the 10,000. Like I just fire sold it for, for $10,000. I still have like maybe three grand to my, my name at this point. I spent all my money marketing and just contract this deal. And again, it hasn't, the single family deal hasn't gone through yet. But and I, I, I need to make this story a little bit shorter than, than it really is because um, I can talk about this like this story for 30 minutes. But what ended up happening is I put up the 10000 and I just started calling everybody I knew saying, hey, I'm you know buying this mobile home park. I'm looking for an investor on it. And nobody wants to invest with you when they don't even know you're in real estate. Like I call a few guys, but I'm not calling my full contact list. I mean, I'm calling like my seventh grade basketball coach saying, hey, you know, I know we haven't talked in 10 years, but I'm raising money for a mobile home park. And they're like, are you crazy? <laughs> like, I'm not giving you money. Like, have you done this before? No, I just graduated college. It's like, well, how much money are you putting in? Well, I put up 10000 That's it? <laughs> how much uh, were you needing to raise? 121000 121. Yeah. And that was the down payment. That was some operating costs. That was some renovation because the bank didn't want to fund any of the renovation and just uh, our closing costs as, as well. So we're over- overfunding a little bit. Um and so I call everybody I know and all knows. I mean, I'm take, I took a day off work to just call. And How many people do you think you called? At least 100. Yeah. And 100 knows? Yeah, of all the people I got a hold of. And so then I, you know, I'm asking everyone for referrals, trying to get more contacts. And again, another kind of life-defining moment. I'm like, you know, one of, I put up 10000 Like, that's all the money I have. I sold my car to do it. I'm Ubering and lifting to work at this point. I don't have a car. And I'm like, I have to call again. I have to. The same people. Same people. Like, I've got a, a, some additional contacts, but not a ton. Like, no one really wants to help you when you've never done it before. And so I call everyone again, and now, it, you know, less people answer. And the people who do answer are like, didn't I just say I wasn't interested in this? So then get through the list again. No yeses, all noes again. I'm like, you know... I have to keep going. What are you telling these people that their ROI is going to be their return on investment? Or is it just them just fundraising? Like what, how are you pitching it? Uh, initially, and again, this is what I wouldn't recommend. I was just trying to raise like a personal loan um, for this investment. I had pitched a few guys on equity and the response was so negative that I kind of gave up on that idea in the terms of people wanted me to have skin in the game because I wasn't putting really any money into the deal. They wanted me to personally be on the hook for the money. Um, and I, had zero, I didn't have a track record. So it's no one wants to do an equity deal or syndication when you could just walk away from that and they lose their money, especially on an asset like a mobile home park. So the initial feedback was so negative from the first few guys I called with the equity idea that I quickly switched over to, I'm just looking for a, say, a 7% personally guaranteed loan 
um, two-year interest only, and uh, second position, which, again, second position, that's almost zero security at all. I mean, um, especially if, you know, we had owned additional real estate. So people didn't really love that that idea either. But I just, I kind of decide that, you know, I have to, I just have to keep going. So I'm probably 10 days in. I've really made some people mad at this point. Um, I'm calling everyone repeatedly. And really at this point, the only people that are really still answering are guys that are business owners themselves. They're not saying yes, but they're, they're saying, keep going. You can do it. They're more like cheerleaders. Like they're not actually interested, but they just see, you know, younger them in what I'm doing. And so they're yeah. like, oh, don't, don't give up. And I finally get a hold of this one guy um, who's a friend's dad from high school, business owner, really successful guy. And he answers the phone and he goes like, profanity, are you ever going to stop calling me? And I'm like, well, you know, I got like 10 more days to make this happen. So you can probably expect about 10 more phone calls. And he kind of chuckled. Um, and he ended up saying on the phone, he's like, you know, if you approach this mobile home park, the way you're approaching these calls is just relentless, just determined, not going to give up. You know, I'm sure you'll be able to make it work. So I ended up going and like pitching him on the idea. Um, his counter offer was he would do it, but 17% interest. Again, I didn't have a track record, so. The full amount? Yeah, 121,000, 17% interest, personally guaranteed. Um, and, you know, people say like, oh, the interest rate's crazy. No, I mean, I don't think it was. The deal still worked-ish. Um, it needed a and the lift. It needed a lot of work. Um, cause that essentially took away all the cash flow, but I had zero track record. So I don't think that was a bad ask for him at 17%. It was a ton of risk. It needed to be a home run for him. Yeah. And so I remember sitting with Ryan looking over the numbers and just thinking like, God, are we really going to do this? Like if our jobs combined can barely pay this debt service. Like if this doesn't work out, like that's it, it's bankruptcy. It's starting over. And I remember it just expressing to Ryan, that, hey, if we don't do this, I can just feel my life slipping away. I can understand if you don't want to do it. But, and I'm not depressed because I, I do think that you speak that over yourself to some extent. But I'm like, I have to do something. And I remember he looked at me and he was like, you know how you, you keep saying it's like you feel like the next 10, 15 years slipping away? Imagine where I'm at. Ryan's 12 years older than I am. He's like, I'm still there. I have to do this too. And the deal still somewhat made sense. There was nine mobile homes we'd have to go and renovate and then um, either lease or like sell on a rent to own at the mobile home park. Because again, the, the investor money essentially like wiped out all the cash flow, but it was a really good deal to start with. And so Ryan and I just kind of made a pact that night. You know, if it takes going to our day jobs, driving up to Ponca City, hour and a half away, working on these mobile homes ourselves, sleeping in a sleeping bag, eating peanut butter and jellies, and then driving back in the morning, Tuesday morning, going to work, driving up Tuesday afternoon, like repeating. If that's what we have to do, like that's what we're going to do. And so we decided to go for it, and that really was our life. When I talk about 2018 being a whirlwind, it was taking on way too much debt, um, and it, it actually like led to like really an incredibly dark period of I think both Ryan and I's lives of we're there every single weeknight, we're there legitimately sleeping on the floor of these mobile homes and sleeping bags. 
um, we're there every single weekend, like every single weekend, just taking like drastic action on these mobile home parks, on these mobile homes. And um, it took, took months, but we were able to refinance about six months in. We refinanced, paid that investor off, went buying another mobile home park in Missouri, um, at about 30 houses and some oil wells. Uh, all in 2018, and so I'd replaced my income from February to the end of 2018. Um, and so when I talk about like I, I work a lot now, but people don't realize the amount of stress, the comparison from to- from that that season of my life. Um, and to kind of fast forward and give you the, the the full story. Then we partnered up with Sam Singraf, and since then have built you know a company of 40 ish people. Um, we buy 10 houses a month in the, the Tulsa area, uh, bought a little over a hundred houses last year and have just over like 500 units, about a $40 million portfolio, uh, apartments, wow. mobile home parks. And this, like this year, your goal is what, like 250 homes? Uh, no, we, uh, our goal with the single family homes with spark homes is a little bit different. It's more of last year I was working in it all day, every single day, trying to grow it. And that was where the majority of my time went. Now we've got all the right people in the right places. And so if we only buy 50, 60, 70 homes, which I think will be somewhere in that range, but I've got um, my manager partner, Justin, running it. And if it takes now four hours a week of my time versus all day, every day, that'll be, I'll be really happy because we started Spark Construction where we're renovating other people's projects. Um, We started Spark Lending where I'm lending out my money for hard money for other people's deals. And we started like our mastermind group as well. And so those have kind of been like the... um, the other projects that I'm taking around right now. And then we have some apartment uh, buildings under contract right now and some other stuff that we're going to do. So the first project took you, how many days did it take you to raise this $120,000? Uh, from the time I was involved to actually getting like the verbal commitment was probably like 25 days. 25 days and not yeah. business days. Like these are. Just Every, yeah. Just, just and then, day. and then what, uh, what's the most money you've raised since then? Uh, Total, I've raised just over ten million for everything that we've we've done. That's insane, dude. Yeah, that's insane. And to go back to the days that you were telling me, because I know you even said like, um, it it see it's easy to look at somebody and be like, man, this guy just did it overnight. But the, but these are the stories that people don't don't hear. And this is, yeah. I love you sharing that with me. And then of course, fast forward, uh, what like four years later. Cause that was the first year really. Yeah. And, uh, four years full time. And, um, you are, uh, like we just talked about, you just bought, bought a new car, a Lamborghini mm-hmm. and, and, and what, when did it, when in your mind did you think like, okay, like this is okay for me to do now? Like, cause I feel like you're, you're from what I've heard from other people and everything that you, you like to live below your means and all that yeah. stuff and everything. So what, what gave you the green light to say like, okay, like I think I'm, I'm ready for this. Um, I spent less than 1% of what I made last year. Wow. And how many people do you think are, are doing that? Zero. <laughs> Actually doing it, zero. Um, you spent uh, less than 1% of what you made last year. Yeah. And again, that's from a, a net worth, not a, not a cash. But um, when I look at my personal net worth, it's okay, 10% discount. And then minus, let's say, another 5% for agent and TRR and stuff like that. Um. But I got to a point and I set a goal a really long time ago um, where, again, like I know that cars really fill me up and I'm like, I was willing to spend a percentage of my net worth on this, this car. 
Um, I set some other parameters, like I have to buy it in cash. Like I don't buy toys on with payments. It's like I have to be in a point where I can buy it with cash and it doesn't affect any of the investing I'm doing. It doesn't affect how the banks look at me at all. It doesn't affect how my investors look at me at all. It has to be such a... Minor, yeah, I can, Like a minor thing? Uh, yeah. Like the, the Tulsa Exotic Supercar Club was um, really great to be a part of. Half of those guys, I would say, could total that car, no insurance, walk away, wouldn't affect their week, which is crazy to think about. I mean, it's $300,000, $400,000 cars. If anything, they're just more, they would be more emotionally wrecked than anything, right? But, and then the other half of the group, if they got a door ding, it would ruin their month. It's like, you pick who you want to be. Yeah. So that's kind of the place I got to. It's like, when I had my Corvette, it was, I want to be able to park in the street. You're never going to hear me talk about insurance, gas, tires. If I want to do a burnout, I'm going to do a burnout legally, of course. And yeah. <laughs> um, but you're never going to hear me talk about the cost of it because if I'm talking about the cost of it, then I just can't afford it. Yeah. And, and so and I also go, people don't want to be around those type of people. Yeah. Yeah. I want to be able to be generous with yeah. my car, let other people drive it. Like if it gets a door it's a door I don't care. Yeah. Um, now, of course, I, I do care, but from a, oh, is it going to ruin my a fi- day? Financial aspect of it. Yeah. Because that's why it ruins most people's days on yeah. that. Is because a door ding will cost, what, like, you know, a few thousand bucks on a oh, car yeah. like that. No idea. But, um, man, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate you coming on and diving in a little bit deeper. I've always been a little bit curious. And like I said, I've heard um, nothing but great things about what you've been doing. Mm-hmm. And I think that your results, uh, that's one of my favorite, you know, things to to remind myself is nothing speaks louder than results right yeah so uh one of the last things that i I like to ask people um is what is the best advice that you feel that you've ever received best advice whether it was within the last five years or whenever you were younger or just something that has really stuck with you yeah um it's, this is, I'm not sure if someone told me this, but this is something like Sam and I's brainstorming sessions. Sam Singraff, my, my business partner, that we've kind of developed over time. And it's, life is 100% a game of risk because it is a game. And the greater risk you can take, usually the greater reward that there will be. Higher but risk, higher reward. There's right and wrong ways to do it. Big country, that mobile home park, that was wrong. Shouldn't have done that. And I'm never going to take that much risk ever again. But there are right ways to take on tremendous amounts of risk. The smart way to, you know, fast forward your trajectory. Um, so, I, you know, I'd like people to, I guess, keep that perhaps in mind that listen to this is, you know, certainly avoid the screw it, I'm going for it mentality because that gets a lot of people in a lot of trouble. But, there are ways to take risk and partner with people who've already done what you're doing to accelerate your path. And that's the, that's the smart way and that's the right way. And then, you know, we were talking about habits and and stuff earlier. And it's, again, if you're not keeping the commitments that you make to yourself that nobody else knows about, it's going to take a traumatic event to, to, to change the course of your life. And I just hate to see that for people, that divorce, that bankruptcy, whatever it ends up being like, your life is completely dependent on what you make it and don't let an event like that dictate the life that you're going to live. It doesn't have to be the case. I love that, man. And if somebody's out there looking to, um, 
looking to take on some risk because there's every scenario is going to look different, right? What's a good uh, number from a scale one through 10? It sounds like that risk that you took for that mobile park uh, for you, um, it was a 10. Does, mm-hmm. Is that, yeah. but you maybe meant it to be like an eight or a five yeah. or whatever. What's, what's a good, whatever the circumstances are, like, what would you say? Like if somebody's evaluating that risk, like what number should be, should, should that, that be for, especially for the beginning stages, what is it, the first thing that you're doing? If you're, somebody's just wanting to get out of that cubicle and just saying like, I got to go do yeah. something, whatever it is, whatever it is, um, or, or they're in the initial stages. What's that, what's that number that you would, you would suggest people? I mean, I'd like to be a zero if it can be, but the only way it can be a zero is partnering with somebody who's already done what you're trying to do. That's that's so good. That's what if you want to buy mobile home parks, like find someone in your network who's buying mobile home parks, and if they say it's a good deal, and you know that they are who they've claimed to be, and and their track record is what they've claimed to this, that is the greatest way to avoid all risk is partnering with people who have experience in what you're trying to do. And so many people try to do the opposite of that. They try to just figure it out on, on their, on themselves. Yeah. When there's so many people out there um, that have already figured it out, you know, yeah. they'd be happy to share and everything. So man, thanks so much for coming on again. If somebody's trying to uh, maybe has more questions about this or they just want to, you know, get in touch with you, where can they find you? Uh, just Facebook is probably the best. Just William Carstetter um, on my Instagram too. I'm, I'm fairly active on Instagram, but I don't check my messages as much. But either one, it's just my name, William Carstetter on both. Sounds good, man. Thanks so much for coming on. on. Yes, sir.